Well, uh, I had a little pop up. You know, I got, I got, I got my son here, uh, not here, but in my life here, and uh, apparently he is the one that has been has the subscription to Apple Arcade. Now, you may remember a while ago <laughs> uh, that I enrolled in the full Monty. I don't know. That means something in other places, but the full Apple one thing, which I think is, what is that like? You probably know, Brandon, is that a 35? You, you defaulted into the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, you, yeah. Got the, you did the big one too. You did the whole enchilada Apple one. Yeah. Plus, is that like I a $35 is. a month? Yes, what is. are we looking at? And you there? did the okay. family plan. Okay. Yep. Up to and six. on top of that, just to recap, I ha- also already had a terabyte a month because you know, I got Whoa. storage. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was cruising at two ter- I think it's maybe I'm in like 45, $40. I forget what it was. Anyways, as as I determined, I don't really need the fitness thing, so you carve that away, and uh, we use the Apple Arcade for a while. Pretty fucking lame. So, but then my son wanted to use it for something, and then you know you get a three months free. Like I think I'm still operating on like five years of free Apple TV. I'm not really sure, but I got <laughs> right. some gigantic thing there, and I and the renewal notification came up that he had renewed because uh, you know I allowed him to buy it. Uh, he had renewed. And the whole family gets it for Apple Arcade. And I think it's like, what, $3, $4 a month or something. And uh, I haven't gone back in to check. Uh, but uh, I wanted to see, maybe maybe our listeners know they can send us some emails or, or send us some chat now if they're watching us do this. But like, is there anything good in Apple Arcade yet? I, I keep waiting for there to be like something cool in there to play. And I feel like maybe one day it's going to come along and there's going to be something. I have not had anything myself, but I don't think I've looked hard enough. I've tried a couple of different games, and they're not bad, but I, I lose interest. I don't, I don't go back to them. And so, so just for you, actually, it sounds like Coach. Do you still have the Apple One Premiere? Now that's twenty nine ninety five a month. And so, what you'll I, be getting in addition to the family plan, what you get with yeah. that is News Plus and Fitness Plus. Yeah, no, no, no. We have we have everything except fitness. Okay, so do you right. have the I, Apple think, One Family, which is nineteen ninety five a month, yeah. U.S. dollars. It's music, TV plus, arcade, iCloud. Now that's what I have. That's what. But no, we also right. have news. So we we Ooh. like all we all a cart pay for stuff, and it's still cheaper than getting everything. Really? Yeah, but know. you know, I've we're, been, gonna I, to get, I, we're gonna have to get the intern, the our uh, financial yeah. intern, on that to like double check your work a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, it would be like you've already worked twelve hours a day and peed in a you know a bottle of champagne, uh, empty, <laughs> of course. We're going to need some more spreadsheets here, some more analyses of like, what's going then on. Then we can here. go to space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I look in Apple Fitness every now and then because I keep waiting for them to have like a meditation sort of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to do that, but, you know, it'd be fun to try. But they, they, have, they have like a mindful cool down. And now the problem with the cool down is I'm never going to heat up. So I don't know if a <laughs> cool down applies. But maybe if if there's just some sort of, it's weird that they don't have a meditation thing, right? Like, I mean, that's a huge, anyone who listened to podcasts must know about Calm, right? Oh my God. Yes. Like Calm and, and uh, uh, it's not it's not the one who sponsors us. What's the what's the marijuana thing that you can get that starts with a C? Mm. Oh no. <laughs> CBT mm. meditations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, isn't it? Uh, anyways, so, so like the meditation market is huge nowadays, Right. And it's weird that Apple wouldn't have that in there. I mean, mm-hmm. this not to be the, uh, the, intern and- I think they definitely will. Right. So they, and they have breathe, yeah. they have the breathe on the watch. I turned it off. Exactly. Which is basically similar. just that. Now, have you ever used the breathe app? Mm, something- only, only enough to know that I, I going to turn it off, but I, yeah, I exactly. 
I, 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 so, so breathing is supposed to help you like do some sort of pseudo meditation thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm sure the lawyers are like, you can't call this meditation. And I will tell you why now, because like what it does is it rattles your watch around. And I feel like if your wrist is rattling around, telling you when to breathe in and out, that's not very like relaxing. Like it's actually quite stressful, which I understand is the first step to uh, meditating. Anyways, my whole point is I would be happy to go up to the full package if there was something in fitness that I wanted. Uh, I don't really want to walk around with people and inspire them, but I need, I need some more stuff in there. But, but what I'm getting back to is it sounds like Apple Arcade, not really much going on in there that, that uh, would be good. I feel like they should try harder, right? They got, you know, someone posted that the, uh, the Apple AirPod Pros made more money than MasterCard and like 20 other companies that, that you would expect. And I feel like they should take some of that money and like, I don't know, like buy Xbox or something like, or just buy EA. I mean, that would be a nice move. Right. And they could be like, Oh, oh we've settled this lawsuit by buying them. Of course, nowadays that probably would mean some sort of antitrust thing. And then we all lose because Apple arcade is just like some bullshit Pac-Man game. And you know, instead of good stuff, maybe they could buy Nintendo. They seem Ooh. simpatico. They they do they do that. Nintendo is very much a, a defaults lifestyle uh, kind of company. I mean, my my son was all excited about the new Stream Deck from uh, Valve. You know, oh. it's it's essentially like a handheld PC, <laughs> and you know it, it it's running Linux, but it'll play like all the Steam games, huh. uh, probably probably. And he's like, you know, this is this is great. It's like you know all all that you know Steam stuff we can play. You know, it'll be just like the the Wii. I was like, yeah, but they don't have any exclusives. Just like, or no, sorry, not the Wii, the Switch. You know, just the reason Nintendo's awesome is the exclusives and the fact that like yeah. they just try to make it easy without. I just have a feeling like the Steam Deck is gonna it's gonna be full of like fucking around with Linux. I think. Well, you know, as as maybe we'll cover as <laughs> maybe we'll to cover the command a line, bit. Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> As maybe we'll cover in a little bit, it looks like Zoom is finally. It looks like they have not taken any of our investment advice, and but they're finally spending that 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 valuation war chest. But let's let's go back. Remember that Disney bought Pixar, which is perfect, right? That's that I have not done an analysis, but that seemed like a perfect match. Lots of synergies going on there. And now I'm thinking. I think our new our new position, our new fantasy. Uh, you know, I bankers smoking L's in the hot tub. Pee in and empty bottles of Dom Perignon or whatever. Uh, maybe someone can make a song about that. That would be great. Uh, is basically Apple and Nintendo merging together. I think you've got. I think you've got something. You've got you know bringing Mario to the Apple. That's, oh yeah, <laughs> that's not a good slogan, but we've got got to involve Mario. Something <laughs> maybe maybe it's I Mario, which oh, almost I'm sounds Mario. like an adult slur. <laughs> I feel like this would never work. I would, I would be in the room being like, no, I don't think, I don't so think great. the Nintendo Apple culture would, there wouldn't be one meeting where that would go well. So I would I, say, I think, look, no. look, I think if Apple could integrate Dr. Dre and Trent Reznor, well, but I they think they can figure it, out though. integrating they Mario. Well, they they, they, that, no, that's, I don't want to hear that. That's not, that's, they all that's left. not the It didn't deck. work, right? No. Everyone left. Did they? Oh, I didn't see that news. Yeah, I didn't all see all that written up on Daring Fireball. But they keep beats. 
I mean, they, they Apple could buy themselves a Nintendo. Just keep it nice and se- you know, separated no, off. No, so, Nintendo no, is no. fine. Leave it. Leave Nintendo alone. I think it's doing well. And don't <laughs> don't mess up Nintendo. See, see, that needs to be a re- reoccurring thing, theme on our show. Is like big corporations buying small corporations. We're like, no, just leave them alone. Leave, leave them alone. alone. Leave them alone. We don't. We don't need uh, Mac OS uh, Switch. No, we don't. We don't need the the iSwitch mm. or whatever they would call it. It'd be like, that we don't need. But then, you, but then you could play like Country Crossing Five or something on your phone, right? Wouldn't that be popular? No, it would no, it would not be. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is this is bad for so many reasons. No. no. All right, all right. Well, well, okay. Well, that's. I guess I won't be doing that now. Uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and think on this. So maybe it's I Luigi, like. <laughs> How about I don't want it? That's what you need to think about. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com sdt. That's cbtnuggets.com slash SDT. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I look through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com SDT. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, you know, speaking of games, uh, I was thinking of this. This this rose back into my mind because it look I, I saw that Netflix is going to get into games, which I'm sure everyone's always been anticipating, right? Just more stuff to stick down that uh, that tube they got going there, uh, you know, hogging like, the internet. And and you know, I I have to admit, I didn't read uh, it too closely because Netflix is not really in my uh, portfolio uh, of attention. You know, I just kind of. I listen to some podcasts here and there about it, just kind of see what they got going. But it sounds like it, 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 I feel like maybe it's going to be simpler to Apple Arcade. Like maybe it's not going to have like you know Super Mario Kart, and <laughs> instead not. it's going to it's going to have some of those like flat vectory sort of things with like clouds moving in the background and kind mm-hmm. of like you know millennial kind of music. But the part I wanted to get your take on Cody is less about the games because I don't I don't know we I don't think they really know what they're going to do and there's just sort of like a strategy. I think it's more like we're in the boardroom. You know, you already you know kind of we're trying yeah. to get Nintendo and Apple, which again I'm staunchly against. So net, hey, Netflix, I can go right across the street with that. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, let's do it. Let's go. Let's go across <laughs> we're, the street. We're, let's we're, see shopping, if it's any, we're shopping Nintendo. Let's around. see if it's yeah. any better. So <laughs> I just think Netflix kind of like where they are, right? So famously they've said that they only do one thing they do it great they don't want to do live sports there's lots of things they didn't do right and of course famously they said like they started with dvds they got into streaming and of course they've done well but now going forward right it's pretty clear that 
as successful as they are, the growth in streaming is starting the flatline, right? I mean, it's just everyone that wants it has kind of gotten it. So I just think it's interesting that they're in the room. They're like, okay, someone's like, we got to grow. We need, we need, and I think there are like several ideas that could have been thought about, but the thing that they decided, right, was like, okay, we're going to go build games, which I feel like my, just putting my t- uh, cards on the table are like, one, games seems like a very difficult category. Many people have tried in this yeah. and many people have failed. Uh, just the fact the fact that you want to be in games because you feel like it is a competitor for people's times doesn't mean you can actually do it. Um, and so I guess this is sort of like kind of first guess, kind of on the halo effect. It's like, now here Netflix is. They've uh, Reed Hastings has written the book. He started the billion uh-huh. dollar company. He's written the book. He's got the famous Netflix culture, you know, the keeper culture, like every day, like I have to rate you and decide if you want. So like, you're kind of at that pinnacle, right? And so is this the, is this the halo effect moment? Are they like, is he going one step too far? Is he trying to say, just because I've been so successful at all these things, I'm going to be successful at games or is this the classic? No, this is the moment. If someone should pull him inside and say, do not do games. This is too, (laughs) too far from what you're you're good at. I think I think it's option two, and you you you've sparked. I'm going to try out another idea now. I'm going to like I said, fuck you guys. I'm going to go across the street and do this <laughs> Nintendo deal. That's fine, right? All right. Anyways, but uh, I think I think I want to suggest. You know how Ben Thompson's always coming up with concepts. I'm gonna, I want to try to introduce a new concept that I'm going to call the Brown Effect, right? And here here's the deal. Now remember, maybe it was FedEx or UPS. And there was this whole uh, business book meme about how, like, they realize that they're not a ship, they're not a uh, a package delivery company. They're like a consumer goods delight channel fun company, <laughs> right? Like, uh-huh. like they're a logistics company, not just someone who like, like takes something. Like from you one reframe, place. reframe the category they're in, right? Right. right. And so this, yeah. this, okay. I, I feel like, I feel like when we were younger folks, maybe in the '90s, this was a very popular thing to be like, you know. Uh, this airline is not an airline company. They are a family experience provider. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. Okay. I'll be in the family experience yeah. lounge. This is always so this I, is the marketing <laughs> business. It's like, what is the problem you're solving? Here? Right. And, you're not and solving so this transportation. Is, you're solving fun. Go on. Yes. We've been and, there. And I don't, I don't know if it was FedEx or UPS, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick on UPS and call it the Brown effect. Cause that sounds funny. Yeah. And the Brown effect is when you go way too far yep. with that kind of thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, whatever. And so I think, okay, so what we got going on here, and, and I forgot about this notion, but there there is this idea floating around that Netflix is not a HBO competitor or right. a movie delivery company, an entertainment company. They are a company that helps you spend your attention and helps fill your time. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so if you had this idea, that's a slide right there. Yeah. Right? We got, yep. we got some Mary Meeker about attention spent globally per region. Yep. It's way up in China. Things are looking good there. Right. Might be saturated in the state, but you know, whatever. And uh, so then what you're thinking is like, all right, so we actually are filling attention. What is another adjacent thing that can fill attention video games? Right. So we're going to get into games. Right. We because we're this is just going to allow us. This is our core is 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 spending attention. And so now I'm going to connect it together, Brandon, as you were saying, 
someone needs to go in and be like, whoa, you're about to to cross the brown horizon, <laughs> right? Like this, the brown effect is in play here. And you you have gotten too close to the brown, maybe brown horizon. Is better. The brown horizon. The brown you're horizon. about to cross the brown horizon and this yeah. is not going to go well, right? Just stick to what you're doing. Go buy some old defunct movie studio. So you have some movies that are worth fucking watching, right? right. Like do that. Don't do this. Bad, big distraction. <laughs> Don't do this. So, uh, you know, don't cross the brown horizon. But that's, I, that's listen, my, I think you've articulated it perfectly. And uh, all, kudos to you. Like, you uh, we're going to trademark that for you, Cote. The brown horizon. Thank I'm, you. I'm Thank all you. in. Let's write the book, whatever, whatever we need to do. And I think you hit it just right. Because I think the, the points that everybody outside of Netflix and the people that work at Netflix know is like, here's the big problem with Netflix. Generally speaking, the movies are not good, right? That's what you're trying to say. On the whole, right? You would say like, the if you will the signal to noise ratio is a little out of whack i think most i think you can make a case that's gonna be the thing that sort of if you will holds netflix back a little bit it's like there's just too much crap right and so but advocating for that in front of reed hastings i'm sure you just get fired like you're immediately off the deeper test you're like you can't say that and then the other thing would be if you did want to expand like i would be in there making the case for like hey you should get and Netflix should get into live sports, right? Because there are basically major sure. sports around the world. Netflix has incredible technical talent about s- streaming because that's the biggest thing. Like it's a hard problem to stream sports in real time at but large. They haven't volumes. done any live stuff though, have that's they? That's what I'm saying. But I this is this is the problem they're trying to crack. I I would say to them and say like, hey, they eventually they should own NFL, college football, Premier League, all the rights around the world, cricket, Australian rules football, like because that's a very sticky viewing experience to many people around the world. You can either add, you know charge like a little uh-huh. upsell, like the Netflix Plus subscription, or you could just say like I want to solidify, make sure that people never give up on my my uh, platform and that these movies maybe aren't enough to keep everyone engaged. Cause there's this point where you're just like, ah, I've seen enough. So, good. so that's why I'd be telling him, I'd be like, Hey, that's a very, that's a, it's, and also just to round this out would be if you think about like how successful they've been with drive to survive, which is this formula one documentary. I've already mentioned it. Everyone should go watch it. They could really start to create content around the sports, right? That help draw non-sports fans into watching the sport, right? So I'd say you get a nice virtuous cycle going there. And you have a very defensible um, technology if you've built it out correctly. If you do figure out the streaming. Because today, if you stream sports, it doesn't really look that great. It's always like you always want to watch it on cable. It's really the last thing you want to watch on cable, satellite, or over the air. So that's the case I'm making to them. If, mm-hmm. if if they can't get first crack at you know the first tier viewing rights, so, you know, which are showing the NFL in the US, right, or showing you know Premier League in the UK, right, they also have the reach to pick up all the secondary markets. And so if if they and and those markets aren't going to care as much if there's a you know a ten minute delay, you know. So what they could do is like, all right, we can't get the NFL. Let's get the NFL global, you know, because. You know, you know that uh, whoever oh. owns NFL right now doesn't. Well, we you know. know, like in fact, CBS. we we have we know CBS, right now, ABC, the NFL, NBC, they don't care about the world. I was gonna say, though, no, the NFL streaming, what's known as the Sunday ticket package, Sunday ticket package, is up for auction right now, and so Amazon's right, right. in there, Apple's in there, and I'm right? saying dice it up. Well, yeah, how yeah, do which, they want? Like, is, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. But I'm just saying, like, but, th- but I guess my core thing is like, hey. I'm in there. I'm saying sports is very adjacent to what 
you know, entertainment. So you're thinking about attention, right. Cote, right? And the fact that we can create, if you will, traditional content documentaries that help amplify or promote the sports, right? By showing like who the ESPN people are. ESPN2. All that kind of stuff, right? You could just, you know, that's a whole set of content. So they... So that's really what I would be saying. So this is like a first, you know, I'm going to say like we're we're trying to pull you out of the brown effect and kind of keep you on. I don't know what the opposite of the brown effect is. We'll have to come up with that. But like <laughs> keep you on on the right the right approach. Just keep you in your in your lane. So, um, yeah. so that's what I would do. But, but, just, the, mm-hmm. but the, the the key for Netflix is is they actually like most of their growth is not in the U.S. today. Uh, you know th- that that is a saturated market and and they're seeing growth. I I heard something the other day that like you know two thirds of their customer base is outside the U.S. now. I'm with you. So, Matt, right, so my answer to this though is already the things you've said. I would say, read. We need to grow in the U.S. You know how we're going to do that? We're going to get the NFL rights. We're going to get some college football. US. No, I'm just right, saying no. Like, they are not. You're going to upsell those subscriptions <laughs> to everyone in the Netflix, right? Matt Ray, if I gave you the chance to watch your beloved Texas Longhorns in Australia, you're paying five ninety nine a month for that during the season. You're not even thinking about it. Yeah. You're like you're you're cashing that check. <laughs> and then to your point about around the world, it's like absolutely Premier League is huge, right? Soccer or the yeah. football, as people say it, all over Europe, right? And then we got cricket. I don't know that much about it. I'm not going to pretend that I do. I just know it's huge in India and other parts of the world. So that's where you are. If you're Netflix, you're like you. I'm going to go. Around the world and own the major well, sporting rights to the major sports in those areas. That's my pitch. But what, I, what, what I'm saying is, is they can make a market out of the secondary market. So if they can't get the NFL in the U.S., they can get the NFL for the rest fine. of the world. I'm, I'm sold. I'm, listen, right. If that's and, where we and, need to start, and, and, if I'm in the room, and it's fine. We'll start with the secondary market, secondary rights, and then we're going to go get the first tier rights. And then you don't have to worry about the live as much. This and, is and what, and then I think what they do is think big. We got to go in. They, we're like, we're going to go get the NFL. They should have a secret investment in a VPN company so that in the States you can get the VPN and actually watch as if you're not in the, the U.S. And then, you, oh. and then they can uh, go through there, Because right? Netflix has spent a lot of money on anti-VPN stuff. Right. They, yeah, they know the, that market very well. The, but but you, guys are, like, you guys are naming the feature everybody wants. It's like, hey, like just imagine that thing. Netflix subscription. One subscription. Watch wherever you want in the world. That's what oh, everybody wants, so right? Nice. That's yeah. the way you would yeah. do the deal with sports. It's like, I'm going to give it, if you have Netflix and you want to watch the NFL, I don't care if you're in Australia, Amsterdam, or the North Pole. You have access. That's what you're going to get. Is, that is a, a nice thing about uh, Disney Plus. You know, Yeah, I Apple think, and Disney have that down. Yeah, and it just like works. Now, obvi- you know, obviously, you don't get to watch all the stuff, but it is uh, it's good. Now, I wanted to add one more suggestion on top of this as, as someone who isn't really interested in sports. I think I think another core competency Netflix has every now and then is they make interesting content that's good, right? So they have they have these these showrunner peoples. These they these, should do uh, video games. These ideas, right? You know, they, they've got, they've got a good creative, maybe not stable because I don't think the studio system runs anymore. We are wedded to Netflix, but you know they've they've got they've got access to these people. And I want to suggest for people like me, maybe they should start having like showrunners for sports, and they could like. They could add all this backstory to it, Ooh, right? Like, just Kote, like wrestling. Watch, Kote, promise me. I've recommended it so many times. Watch one episode of Drive to Survive. Just one episode. Make 30, I think it's 45 minutes. Make 45 minutes. Take 45 minutes out of your day or this week yeah. and watch one episode. I tell them, and come back as a non-sports fan. I just want to know, were you captivated or interested in, in watching more? Exactly. That, you know, it sounds like. That is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like, let's, let's, sure, there's still going to be the game and yeah. it's not going to be the X, XFL or whatever or, or the WWF or WWE, but let's add some backstory. 
Let's I, add I'm some like you. you know Netflix. They, perfect, <laughs> perfect place to do it. Cut, cut needs more plot with his sports. like like you know someone <laughs> someone uh, you know Agent Scully is you know in a role where she doesn't have an American accent. Yeah. Or, or the, the, the lady with the, the sweater and, and the, the hip hop guy in the Pacific Northwest. And like, and like, they're all like, there have been a murder in all the towns that this team played in. Yeah. Right. And I'm then a, there you yes. go. You're set. I'll see. And I, then, think you're, I think you're even hitting on like, I think there's the genre for the sports fan that wants to see behind the scenes. But I even think like a 30 minute recap of like, it's sort of like the the summary for the non-sports fan. I think people would watch that too. Like people are like, right, I'm not really right. into sports, but like uh, I kind of want to know what everyone's talking about. I'll spend 20 minutes getting a totally. dump. Like, a, like be, a, a daily they, dump of like, here's all the stuff people are talking about sports so I can at least know what's going on. We, we could call it yeah. sports center. They would be like, you know, they, they, uh, they, they flooded the zone in the paint and also another dead body showed up. Like this would be the, the summary. <laughs> It'd be fantastic. So I don't, so that's my uh, hope though. I don't know. We'll see if, uh, I think though, I think they're going to push through, uh, the Brown horizon though. I think there's no going back. So, um, to their point, like they're, oh, well, I hope they make good. it, you know, I just, I hope Netflix makes it, but it yeah. seems, but, seems I hard. Feet, but I get BlackRock on speed dial. When you, once you cross that Brown horizon, you, you're going to need them. This episode is brought to you by strong DM. One of your SREs quit. You suspended the VPN access. Was that good enough? Are you sure your infrastructure access is locked down? StrongDM is the only way to be confident in your access controls across any environment. Instantly revoke access to any database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to demonstrate exactly who did what, when, and where across your entire stack. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting workflows. Start your 14-day free trial at strongdm.com sdt. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com sdt. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Well, also uh, recently, the, and I don't really know how to dis- distinguish them nowadays, but I'm going to call it the Puppet DevOps report was released. And it was, it was, uh, <clears throat> there was, it's like 48, you know, it's, it's my favorite type of uh, presentation. It's a presentation, a Word document accidentally printed in landscape. But there's a lot of detail, <laughs> interesting stuff. And reading through it, I think, you know, nothing think, but leave behind slides. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I, I think there's some, there's some interesting thinking that they've, they've put into it and uh, ways of sorting stuff. And, you know, I still, as I was reading it, I was reminded, I don't think I've ever heard the backstory of how the DevOps report uh, forked, right? But it was, it was I think, uh, a pretty hard fork uh, between these two things, essentially. And, and what I mean by that is I feel like the two groups, at some point, it was, well, there was only one group. There was like, there was like the Puppet people doing it. And I think they had the, uh, they had the people from Dora doing it. I don't even remember. And at some point it was just like, no, Puppet is not involved in this anymore. We do this on our own. Um, and then now Puppet does their own thing, which is, there's got to be some great backstory behind that. And by well, great, I don't mean like, you know, <laughs> a, a new Netflix miniseries, but I, sort of interesting it's, and intriguing. It's probably much simpler that, that like somebody from marketing at Puppet was like, after Dora was acquired by Google, 
uh pup was like you know this is a good source of leads uh, oh but this is this is like way but i mean dora was way before being i mean this is way before i i'd have to go back through my my records and find out when they uh they split but i think it was like at least five if not longer years ago yeah yeah well that that's i mean the acquisition was a few years back um yeah yeah i'll have to go yeah, look at it. Anyways, anyways long enough for everyone to leave google <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah huh you know, that would be a good uh, post analysis for M&A stuff is how long people stay there uh, to, to see like if, if that worked out or not. I don't know what you would do with that, if that would be a heat map or something else. But anyways, uh, so I, I read through this, but I know you read through it as well, Brandon. What are some things that popped out to you uh, in, in this report? Yeah, a couple things. I guess the one of the main takeaways I thought was just kind of how the questions are framed. Like uh, one of the responses here I'll read is like, while two and three respondents report using public cloud, only one in four are using cloud to its full potential. And another mm. uh, little quote here was 65% uh, uh, of uh, mid-evolution organizations will report using public cloud, yet only 20% of them are using cloud to its full potential. So my immediate response to this is two things. Like one, I don't even know like how I would answer like full potential. Like it always feels like there's like, more to do. Like I would never, I don't know. Do you still have a data feel, center? <laughs> yeah, I don't like I would never go into the AWS console and be like, yep, I maxed this thing out. I'm using uh -huh, all yeah. 120 plus services. I've got to the full one potential. of everything in production. Just, Corey Quinn yeah, loves you'd always me. feel like, oh, there's like something I've never clicked on that could have that could that could print gold. And I never tried it. I just don't know what it does. Um, so there's that. But I do think the way that these questions like another way to frame that would be, you know, like. 80% of people think the cloud is just too hard, right? The fact that like, I think there's like this mm. idea that like, there's um, just this idea of like full potential. The fact that like, you're kind of being asked all the time about like, are we doing everything we should be doing in the cloud? And like, you never, I think if you're really honest with yourself, I think most people would be like, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like we've made this game so complicated. You're never really sure if you're like playing it right. Um, you know what? I think we just explained how Netflix got into gaming. Maybe so. I mean, maybe that's how it is. <laughs> they sat on the AWS console and they're like, Lumberjack, we're not using that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I do. So I just, I do think it's, cause this is sort of like, if you take the Adam Jack, uh, sorry, <laughs> The Jassy, uh, Adam Jassy. I've like made them one person already. Anyway, uh, if you take uh, the Jassy point of view and this his AWS keynotes, it's always like you know, you know, everyone needs to be doing more, and you need to be taking advantage of the cloud more, and you're not do moving fast enough. And like, there's kind of that, and he's just one person that kind of like you know, uh, kind of like you know, giving us that mantra. But uh, another way to just say it, as we talked about on the show before, is just like, man, this is just too complicated. All of this is too like you've made it so hard for people. People are never going to feel like they're caught up or they're using to the full potential or even like, what does it even mean? So, um, so I just thought that was like, you know, an interesting way to look at it. And for yeah, all the people I mean, that well, did answer to wrap this up, everyone that yeah. is using it and said they are using it to the full potential. I wish I had the confidence in my life that you do. So congratulations. Oh, I know. I know somebody somewhere has like a cloud usage maturity model and, and they're like, stage four, you know, and, and there's just like Netflix sitting over there by themselves and everyone's like, we got to do what they're doing. And, you know, and, and next, next, next iteration, they're going to add that bottom row lumberjack. <laughs> well, you, you tour in luck because, uh, I, I, this was one item I wanted to point out. Now, if you'll open your PDF to page 24, mm. yes, there is actually an extended discussion of, of what that means, full potential. And apparently the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, as you may recall, oh my God. Yes. they, they have five criteria for cloud capability metrics. That is on-demand self-service, broad network access, 
resource pooling, rapid elasticity measured service. And the question of full potential was, do you agree that, that you know, like, are you using all five of these uh, metrics, something along that area? So that was the way they sort of like made it a non, uh, you know, subjective qualitative kind of thing, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, and so that's good. Like this is also, you know, I always enjoy a, uh, are you doing continuous integration and continuous deployment? And, and there's some definition that people made way back within that book, that Jez Humble and the other people book. Yeah, yeah. And, and you basically ask them, do you do all of these things? And as everyone very rapidly goes to, oh, yes, we, we only run Jenkins uh, <laughs> instead of like doing the full CICD thing. So I think, you know, maybe. Continuous Jenkins. So I think that's how they define the, uh, the, the full potential. Now, uh, you know, I think, I think that also goes to a, uh, it's another question of like, well, maybe we need to redefine the cloud capabilities. If at this point people don't use them all. Do you really need those things? Probably still do, but that's. Uh, I thought that was that was indeed one of the indeed one of the more fascinating things of like, are you doing everything? Which I think was a, a major theme of the report, which is sort of like, uh, we're stymied, <laughs> if, if that's the right <laughs> word. Like, like we we've more or less the, the, yes, out. yes. The, the, the subtitles. Uh. <laughs> And that, that's kind of, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, but isn't that kind of like what they spend the the bulk, the middle part of the report on is like, so why are all these people stuck in the middle? Yeah. Well, what, one of what the funny, I, I do think, and like, you know, everything as, uh, as with everything in life, the answer is people, because here's like a, a quote where it's like a 91% of highly evolved teams report a clear understanding of their responsibilities to other teams compared to only 46% of low evolution teams. So that's just sort of like restating, like, I guess the most classic management thing is like, we're all here working. Do we know what we should be doing? Which is like, I mean, yeah. you think everybody, I think when you first enter corporate America, you think, well, obviously everyone knows what they're doing. And it's like, no, that is not the case. But I think you could probably have written this in like 1950, like, or whenever, right? It's like every organization is always like, oh, it's a little confusing. I'm loving that sentence though. I'm loving that sentence because you've got, you've got the people who have identified themselves as high performing and they're still like, one in ten are like, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Why does yeah. I mean, the language? And then, and then you have the other people. Wait, wait, wait. And then you have the other people who identified themselves as low performing, and half the people are like, <laughs> it's just like, what the hell is going on in these enterprises that they feel like? It feels like the language just is just very. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like maybe I'm too emotional today. Like I feel like the language is just very judgmental. Even I mean, to your credit, exactly. okay, you you did the reading, so they did define full potential. But it's just like someone asking you that. It's like. Are you living to your full potential? You're like, uh, I don't know. Like, there's always things I could be doing better. I don't know. It just feels like, and same thing here. Like, are you highly evolved? You're like, well, I mean, I think we are, but like, I, it's just like everything is just very judgmental for, to me about like, oh, yeah. you're not doing the full potential. You're not highly evolved. It's just like, it, it, it feels like these, these, it's like unrealistic, right? What some of these, these terms are, uh, are kind of alluding well, to I mean, but, but that's the problem with all maturity models right is is you've got you've got this dunning kruger thing where there are people like oh yeah i'm nailing it and then you show them that and they're like yeah we're doing cicd and you know they're just running jenkins but then you got the neurotic people like me who are like we're not doing it well enough you know right. we're we're gonna sandbag all their numbers because they're like yeah i know we could be doing better right but like just and, running and jenkins that's... may be working like i mean i know that's sort of like unpopular but like it's Jenkins like given work. all the constraints and everything that you're doing and the the project you're on, it's like 
that may like be pretty good. That may be actually like that could yeah. be the no, full I, potential. And it's just like, but it's like, oh, I can't go to the conference and say that. Everyone will tell me how I don't get it. It's like well, I'm, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the the thing about maturity models is maybe you just keep that to yourself. And you know, I I, I mean, I guess you know, this is an anonymous survey, so. Um, you you need to have something to measure yourself against, and you are making progress, which is good, right? You know, making progress from wherever you were, you need something to measure that against. Um, but yeah, it, it just feels it, it does feel reading this that a lot of people are stalled out, and is are they stalled out because you know they're you know perfectionists who think we could be doing better, or are they people who are just given up? That's the real question. All right, but well, I want to say you this. should ask uh, Matt because they do list reasons. That's right. Why they're stalled out. <laughs> but I do want to give this report credit. The absolute uh, best segment of the entire uh, report is the following: thinking about your organizational problems as quote culture end quote is neither useful nor actionable. Moreover, stating blockers as quote culture end quote can lead to inaction as people think of culture as quote immutable, end quote, or very hard to change, i.e. it is what it is. I was like, amen. That is like, yeah, that yeah. should be like, that should be a poster. That should be like a motivational poster they put up, you know, and we all make fun of. It's like, let's just stop talking about and, this. And people just and, change jobs. They're like, that's how the culture works there. Yeah. It's just like, this is not have any more of these discussions. Like you need, like you need to get, we all need to get beyond this discussion. Like, what are you doing? Just, I think there's something else where somebody says, just start doing it. And the same part of this report was like, exactly. Don't talk yeah. about have a big meeting and how we're going to change the culture. Just start automating things or just start building the pipeline or just start having the standup, whatever, right? Just start doing the things that you want. You think will give yourself valuable and it will eventually take hold. That's all you need to do. I mean, that's the end of the culture talk. Yeah, I think I think that's a good uh, that's a good a good pull out there. What I'm trying to find the line: stop talking about culture, start doing stuff. Yeah, there it is. That was perfect. I was like, Amen. maybe maybe to to steal the line, people like you know uh, you know the uh, talking about culture won't fix your broken culture. I I think uh, that doesn't really work. Anyways, so uh, <laughs> while while y'all are going over that, I looked up. You know, I, I keep an extensive directory of all the DevOps reports going back to 2011. <laughs> oh wow! You know, you know, I do that, and it looks like the fork was in 2018, right? Because if you look, <laughs> if you open up the 2018, as I labeled it, 2018 hyphen puppet DevOps report, there is no Dora sponsorship there on theirs. Now, now, if let's go back to 2017. It's Puppet and Dora in the 2017 report. Oh, but what is this file that also begins with 2018 in the same directory? 2018 Dora State of DevOps report. Mm. Now, this one does not... It has Dora and Google Cloud Diamond sponsor. Pivotal is a gold sponsor and uh, all sorts of people. Looks like AWS did both that year. So 2018 was when they forked. Now, to your point, uh, Matt, when did Google acquire Dora? It looked like Google acquired Dora. Here's an article from the 7th of January, 2019, <laughs> right? So maybe this is a late Oracle, but I think, I mean, a late Oracle, a late article, uh, probably that too. So they were probably discussing acquisitions, you know, because you don't really want to do it over Christmas for a small consultancy firm, right? So they probably wrapped it up after Thanksgiving and then they were like, woohoo, buy really cool gifts this year. Uh, so, but then when did they publish this one? Now I can't find when this is published the 2018 one. So I'm going to use one of my favorite tricks. I'm going to open up the info pane, pane indeed in preview 
It looks like its creation date was August 25th, 2018 at 4.41 a.m. It was spit out by Adobe InDesign CC 13.1 on a Macintosh. <laughs> so I don't know what happened, but I have to, I mean, do you, so if this was published on August, they had to wrap that this up probably a month before that. What is that? July, right? Just because InDesign takes a lot of work. Uh, and so like, do you think the Dora people were talking with Google as they were wrapping this report up or did it happen? Sub- I mean, because, because they already knew it was already going to InDesign and they'd stripped Puppet out of the logos there, right? And they also, they hadn't signed up because they would have signed up to be a sponsor in 2017. So it must have been in 2017 that something happened that split Dora and Puppet apart. So I don't, I don't know. We got to track this down. Now this... This is a, podca- a podcast. We got to get some NPR person uh, <laughs> yeah. on this with some mu- music ducking. We're going to track this down. This season in PDF archives. <laughs> yes, it's some sort of Planet Money spinoff where we hire some investigative well, ProPublica reporters to dig into Dora. I was going to say, Kote, we're going to let you take that one. You, you can run that uh, that series. <laughs> so so good. I do think, though, the other thing I wanted to uh, – I think we all have some reading to do. The one thing I don't really feel comfortable to, like, to comment on, I didn't know that much about this team topologies, but that was a pretty big section where they've got mm-hmm. like all these – I don't know. I mean, it's, I, my initial uneducated take is like, wow, it seems very complicated, the fact that you have this platform team and – streamline team and the subsystem team so so maybe that's homework for all of us or anyone that's interested in that that seemed to be an important concept and i guess they've uh, written a book here so if you're interested in teams topology everyone should check that out yeah yeah and i i I would add there is there's a lot of fun stuff in that report but uh i think the thing that stands out to me and it's even helping guide my personal kpis for a while uh maybe is like at each of the levels. So instead of being doing like the door people do, was it low performing, mid performing and elite performers? I think they segmented out in more recent reports, but basically, you know, the, in every one of those uh, segments of people who are awesome with DevOps in this report we're talking about now, they all in the top three or top four, maybe is like dealing with legacy systems. And there's even like a very nice, like you actually it's, it's, they don't make the joke about like, you know, uh, we should be nice about it. They say that it's kind of, it's funny in the tech world, legacy is a bad word. Whereas in other words, it's often considered nice if something is, <laughs> is legacy, which is, I, I haven't really heard that, read that take on it. But even when you get to the top performers, legacy becomes a huge problem. And so it kind of feels like that actually is like one of the biggest, uh, what is a silent killer? Like ghee or butter or, or something? Like, <laughs> I thought cholesterol. It was cholesterol. Cholesterol. Yeah. So it feels like, you know, uh, not paying attention to managing your legacy stuff is like the silent killer of, of yeah. awesomeness. And yeah. like, it makes sense. Like, cause there's no, there's no horizon one or horizon two gain to be had at all like, is, is on the, uh, the back the end. Arterial plaque of enterprise software. Yeah. So there you go. There's some direction that I think it'd be great to see. I don't, I don't know if Dora wants to tackle this or the, the puppet people or whatever. But like, uh, so what do we do about that? Because they they uh, they don't really offer any advice about what to do there. I think that would be- <laughs> well, I think the that, final that, thing we should should wrap on maybe this is good. I think you normally bring this up, but I I just dug it out of the chart. Like, it's always good to see like who responded. So over just forty mm. percent uh, of the respondents said they work in technology. So that's oh. usually a sign. And the respondents you hate to see that. 
the total was like around 2,100. I got the number in somewhere. Uh, well, no, sorry. It was 2,657 people responded and 40% of those people identify themselves in technology. So that always is like an indication that this is a probably yeah. very advanced group of people taking the survey. So it probably skews more towards the uh, well, full potential I, I, and highly evolved group would be my guess. I mean, 40% identifying themselves as in tech actually sounds pretty good. That means 60% are in other industries, True, yeah, which is yeah. where we want to hear about. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm pretty tired of hearing about tech companies. Good save, Matt Ray. Wow, that's, that makes it lemon that lemonade right there. <laughs> I think you know just to to close that off. Like I think, uh, you know, to any any of my fellow marketing people who are out there, whenever you do work like this, you should really have a, an addendum spreadsheet maybe that does slices by industry. Like that would be very very useful. Right, mm. and every now and then you see this you see this. Uh, not pipe up. You see this pop up in surveys like this sometimes where they will do a select industry or like select company size and take a cut of the data with that. But like, you know, I've been involved in putting together a lot of these PDFs and reports and like, <clears throat> I don't think there is really ever damage to just sharing the raw data, maybe cleaned up a little bit, but you could at least have like a pivot table where you could play around with it. Right. And mm -hmm. You know, the only thing you're opening yourself up to is like some asshole being like, well, I opened up the pivot table <laughs> and look, I have you, you have some, some podcast digging into your numbers and, and messing with I you. Mean, yeah. I mean, that would never happen, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like your thing but, though. Some cohort analysis would be pretty natural here now. Yeah, yeah. Even if you don't want to give the raw data, you know, there's some nice stuff you could do. Yeah, They've got yeah. a nice, I, uh, I mean, each of the things that they go over, right? Like, like should we conclude that even technology companies are terrible at dealing with legacy or not? Right. Yeah. Like, like what, like there's all sorts of stuff that would be nice. It'd be, it'd be good to uh, be able to do that. Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, zoom looks to be acquiring some companies. Uh, but if you want to read about those, it's just basically a call center company and uh, doing some real time translation. Sounds fun. I don't really, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess I think I, 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 I'm going to, before I comment on it, I don't know anything about call center companies. So I don't think that's crossing the brown horizon, but I would need a subject matter expert to, to tell me about that. Uh, apparently Amazon is killing it in that market too. Ah, I see. Now you're competing with Amazon. But. <laughs> well, I do think maybe we'll just do the one sentence. It's like, and Twilio's in there. So they're definitely entering a crowded market. Obviously, it's really profitable. None of us are going to pretend that we know it. But I'll just say this. It's not that exciting. We want someone to take on the productivity suite. And that's why yeah. we still are. I'm still hoping for that. There's money left over for the, the Discord, uh, Zoom box, you know, oh, yes. pick up Discord. Uh, buy box or Dropbox. I don't care. Either one. Package it all the up. Rebel like, Alliance. That would that that would be that would be exciting to us. So it's like maybe this if in the M and A thing, maybe the money says do the call center. It's just not very exciting for us. We would like some yeah, money no. left over for productivity. More excitement, please. <laughs> well, I think I think uh, I think I think Tasty Meats Paul and I are going to go to Zoom and pitch buying uh, Nintendo. They, they might be up for it. All right, good luck with that. <laughs> well, uh, do we have any bureaucracy this episode, Brandon? We uh, we do, in fact. So one, I wanted to uh, thank Steve. He wrote in, so I sent him some uh, stickers. So, of course, um, he is in Pflugerville, which everybody here knows that you st you spell that with a P. So I'll let everyone link that up. So quick little story, though. I have two stories for each of you today. So one, uh, he met Matt Ray back in 2010 at the 10X... 
Texas Linux Fest when he was working at the Zenos booth. Uh, And so Steve was running Zenos Core at the time for a nonprofit, and he somehow landed a job with Zenos through you, Matt, and he has now been working there for 10 years. (laughs) So I want to thank Mr. Chippy for recommending the the show uh, to uh, Steve. And more importantly, Steve, I think you're the last person we know. So you got to pull through for Matt and I. For us to uh, yep. for to realize any equity uh, money out of this, you got to make Zenos work. So so make it happen, Steve. <laughs> it's all up to you. Zoom's got deep pockets. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then uh, too, I also sent stickers to Craig in Fort Worth. Now, Cote, as I'm sure you remember, and I believe in episode 82, you recommended Doc Martens. So Craig yes. bought the Doc Martens. Said they were great. Sent me pictures. Basically wore a whole set out. I'll make sure that you see it in the podcast player or you can go to Instagram and check it out. And then he bought another pair that was the same model. And he says they are fantastic shoes. And he wanted to thank you for that. So to Craig, I am impressed you've been listening since episode 82. Coach, I assume you recommended the shoes. And Matt, if you recommended it, I apologize for for, for not realizing no. that. So, Well, I, I did used to wear those shoes. All right. Well, they, they look fantastic. <laughs> and so you can, you can see them on the Instagram. Um, so of course, if you would like to participate in this greatness and, and send us some stories, or just, if you just want to get stickers, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And we will be happy to send you uh, laptop stickers anywhere you are in the world. And of course, we're always looking for sponsors. Clearly Doc Martin, you know, we, we came through two pairs of shoes sold. So Go ahead and uh, crank up that ad machine. Give us a call. Happy to run uh, some ads for you. Well, uh, there's several conferences we've mentioned that have already happened. I just uh, attended the live Q&A for the uh, VMUG Carolina. And then also tonight, back-to-back for the Cloud Foundry Summit. Uh, so thanks to no one who didn't ask any questions uh, in those 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 things that was fine <laughs> uh and there's also uh coming up uh pretty soon is that conference the cephalopod conference as i recall uh somewhere in the midwest we always hear good things about that and then there's spring one coming up september 1st and 2nd uh i've curated a lot of talks for it it's going to be good and then we finally announced uh earlier this week i forget what date i'm technically on a little bit of vacation here as we move so i'm a little not keeping up with everything. Uh, if anyone buys Nintendo, someone please DM me so I get notified of it. But we uh, we have a we put together a DevOps conference called uh, DevOps Loop, which is uh, someone just deleted my thing and now I can't. Four? That's right. I should know with all the time I've spent. But we just uh, started this conference called DevOps Loop. It's like the day before VM World. And uh, it's on October 4th, and uh, we've curated, that is, ask a whole bunch of interesting people to uh, to talk. But you can just go to devopsloop.io, and of course, it's free to attend, so you should register. It's online as well, but uh, you should check that out. It'd be fun. Well, with that, Brandon, what do you have to recommend? All right, so this week, uh, I'm going to recommend Dark Sky, which is uh, the weather app that Apple acquired, I think maybe a year ago. So it's sort of a, if you will, an upgraded weather app. And I was recently in Florida on vacation where it rains every day. So it's really important to know what time it would rain. So I tried away from buying any of this because I felt like, oh, I have, I have the regular weather app. It's fine. But Dark Sky, excellent. It was really good at 
both predicting exactly when it was going to rain, kind of this hyper local, uh, and would kind of notify you. So if you're in a place where the weather changes and you actually have to like monitor it in Austin, mostly in the summer, it's just extremely hot all the time. So I don't really care. But in a place like Florida where it rains a lot, dark sky, it was worth, worth the three ninety nine. So it's a one-time purchase for three ninety nine. I like it. I think it's really good. And I like the uh, exact nature of seeing exactly when it's going to rain on me. I don't know. I don't know if they supports, uh, I assume it has uh, weather around the world, but I can't say that for sure. But it seems like something that you maybe would want living in Amsterdam. Yeah, well, you know, funny you should say that, Brandon, because my follow-up was going to be, I should. I don't think I've tried Dark Sky in a long time, but there is, a, like the American weather apps are notoriously terrible at forecasting the weather here. <laughs> and uh, so there is, there's, there's one uh, that everyone uses, and I'm going to mispronounce it called, I'm going to pronounce it Spanish style. Be in radar. Uh, and uh, so I have it. And I even paid a little money to remove ads. So, you, you know, shocker. But boy, that one, it's its hilarious. Like, you'll, you'll compare uh, that one's forecast to like, the Apple weather one and and or uh, uh, what's the what's the snarky one? I have that the carrot one. I'll have to compare it to dark sky. But like, you can kind of tell that the whole rest of the world just thinks that it's always raining in the Netherlands because <laughs> the forecast will just be like rain all week, all day. And then you open up the BN radar and it's just like, oh, it's raining at three. And that's it. So, <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention I, dark sky. That is the thing. It also has the live radar right in the app, which yeah, is like, which yeah. is, you know, all else fails. Just look at the radar and make your own decisions. Yeah. Well, how about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? Oh, I'm making it three for three on weather apps. <laughs> So uh, Google decided to mess around with their uh, default weather app that was on my Android and took away all the like multi-day forecast stuff. And I was like, oh, so, you know, I searched and the top rated weather app for Australia is provided by the Bureau of Meteorology. And it's actually really good. It does exactly all the stuff you guys were just saying, like, you know, hey, there's a 30% chance of rain at three o'clock and your postal code, which is like way smaller than a zip code here in Australia. And then um, it works really well. And I don't really, and it was free because, you know, I guess the government already paid for it. Well, that free part is pretty good. Yeah. Hold on. Cote, before you, <laughs> I don't think it works for the Netherlands though. It's, I was, it's the Australian. I want to break in Cote before you get recommendations. Cause I, I learned something that uh, I feel embarrassed that I did not know. I finally know it was explained to me what the percentage of, of rain chance of rain means. And so oh, yeah. I, maybe everyone else knows this, but it's actually means there's a hundred percent chance it's going to rain in the area being forecasted. It just means that there's a 30% chance it'll be in the area that you see. I always thought it meant like there was just like a 30% chance it was going to rain period. But there's always, when it says it's going to rain, it's basically saying there's a hundred percent chance in that area. It's just like, will it be in your specific area? Which I yeah, guess yeah. everybody knew. I don't know. I never got the memo. I just totally no, mis- no. understood I, I, that statistic. I, I remember some years ago hearing like the two or three different meanings that it can be. It can also mean something like in in a defined zone, this percentage of the land will experience rain. Like there's also that way. It, yeah, which yeah, I think I, is the right. Maybe that's the the. I you know you did a much better at giving the definition of it. I never I never knew that. So um, yeah, I'm late to the game on that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of those things where like I learned that and I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna think like that. That's too complicated. <laughs> I'm just gonna figure there's a thirty percent chance that when I'm outside the house, I'm gonna get rained on. 
And because really, I mean, all you want to know is like, is like, should I bring an umbrella? Right? Like, like you want to know, like, should I be prepared? Like, I don't, you know, I don't need to do some complex analysis with, you know, a Monte Carlo simulation or something <laughs> like, you know. but that's good to keep us accurate. Well, my, uh, uh, my, re- my recommendation this week, I- I'll put in a recommend a link to the Netherlands, uh, app that I use since we're doing weather app. Weather apps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of us is in our 60s yet, but we're preparing for yeah, it. We're right there. We're oh. so close. <laughs> right on the home screen. <laughs> but I want to recommend uh, the uh, the 8-Ball newsletter. I forget the guy who does it, but it's one of these newsletters of, uh, you know, I've always liked the uh, the trend-spotting, cool-hunting people. I remember, I remember uh, tracking some of them down in the 90s. Uh, not tracking them down, but kind of being aware that it's fun to read about them. And uh, so there's this, I forget his name, but he has a newsletter that's sort of like, it's a mixture of like kind of online stuff, but it's not like overboard, like a garbage day newsletter will be where it's just all about social stuff and what's going on there. There's a lot more thoughtful analysis of like, what does this mean for like commercialized culture and branding and things like that and how people are thinking. And I don't know, it's, it's fun to go read and see uh, his analysis of things going on. You know, he's one of these people who, uh, you hire to go do like ethnographic studies to figure out how to sell scarves better or, or whatever that, that kind of stuff. But he's got some fun stuff in there. So I, I have even uh, paid money to subscribe for it, which I think is okay. I, I'm still evaluating that, but you should at least check out the free stuff. Eight ball newsletter, of course, on Substack, <laughs> where all, all good content seems to be now. Well, with that, not all good content. Some of the content like this is not available on Substack. It's only available if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and subscribe to the podcast and listen uh, to the whole thing. Go back and listen to all the episodes. If you thought episode 82 had some great recommendations, well, you should listen to episode 47. (laughs) I'll have to see what's in there. But (laughs) I'm sure it was great. It's probably something that we've since recommended three or four times afterwards. But uh, you can go there. You can also join our Slack. It's a pretty active, fun community. But just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, check it all out and subscribe on all of your devices, even if you only listen on one of them. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. It's Four a walls and a door is not architecture. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> this is, this, these are buildings, right? <laughs> so... so- not a lot of style to it. It's like it's like maybe here. Here's an analog. It's like if if someone from Europe came to the states and we serve them a sandwich, which is consists just to be clear, consists of bread, something in the middle, and bread on top, right? And the European came over there and they're like, "Oh, what do you call this style of sandwich?" And we would be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs>